Hey, everybody, it's Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne, our editor-in-chief. And together, <laughs> this is our What's the Headline. We're, we're laughing and smiling because, um, you know, we always have, like, chatter before this. And I think one day we're going to put out a blooper reel because, believe it or not, we have some of our biggest laughs together uh, before this. But it's also a great day for hip-hop. We haven't had a Super Friday like this in a minute. We got two albums that are very, very noteworthy and another one I want to bring some shine to, which might be off people's radar, but I think stands with, with, with everything that's been out this year. But, um, you know, with that, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing all right. I've had a crazy, crazy week. I feel like, uh, you know, I've never run a marathon. It's not on my bucket list, but this week has been a marathon. You know, shout out to, rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. Um, but yeah, man, I feel good though. This, this to me, um, I've looked forward to often you and I take these podcasts either in the late morning, sometimes the afternoon. Um, this one, you know, I, I've worked for a drink this week and, and the music's so good that I went with whiskey. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a happy hour podcast and that feels good. Is that really whiskey? You should have told me, man, I would have poured myself one. You, you need a minute? <laughs> well yeah let's let's put this on pause everyone uh we, we'll be right back uh one second here perfect and we are back cheers um you know this cheers. is actually a first for us uh you know there's been one time where i had a drink prior to a podcast and i think that was super bowl i couldn't you know watch the Super Bowl and not have, you know, a drink that would be, I think, like unpatriotic or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, so before the Dre one, that turned out okay. Have you had a drink before um, a podcast? Yeah, I, uh, one of the versus episodes, I, I want to say the dip set or locks, it might have, uh, no, you know what it was, it was Kane KRS. I had to have a couple of drinks for that. And and that was one of our best episodes. So maybe that's the move. And uh, yeah. Well, on that note, I can say that both of us have had a few times hung over for sure. And uh, that has definitely led to some of our best work. So we shall see. We shall see. But in any case, like we said, it's a super Friday for hip hop. Uh, there are three albums we're going to talk about today. The first of which has been one that for me, has been like Christmas. I've been waiting for Benny the Butcher's Tana Talk 4 for about six, seven weeks now. We had a false start. We got a lot of reports back in February that it was coming out February 11th. And Benny actually did his press run around then, too. He hasn't done another one or not an extensive one uh, this time around. So do you think actually this was meant to drop on the 11th of February and got pushed back? Yeah, I do. And, and full disclosure, you know, I um one of the things that I've done with my career is I help a lot of artists with their press bios. Like I help them get their narrative together. Um, something I've done for damn near 20 years. And, you know, I was brought in to help Benny with his, although, you know, similar to what you said, you know, Benny's kept the press run super tight. A lot of times in those cases, you work directly with the artists. And in this particular case, like I didn't hear anything until you did. Um, but I knew even then that they were being very guarded about the release date. But when, because initially it was like February 11th, um, you and I even texted each other. I said, I really have my doubts because I thought there would be a little bit of a warm up. And we got something else this week. We only got one single on this album, but there was something that happened this week, which we covered on the site, 
a Benny freestyle with the LA Leakers, check it out on Ambrosia for Heads. That always lets you know, boom, something's coming. Well, you talk about a warm up, man. What what Benny released ahead of this album was more like, you know, a heat seeking missile. It was uh, his collaboration with J. Cole, Johnny P's caddy. In fact, it was so good. We devoted the better part of an entire podcast to that song. And then also just the rain that that Cole has had on features. But that was an incredible, incredible way to set up the album. Having heard the entire album now, do you think that was the right move? You think he that was the, the right single? Or you think he should have left with something different? 100%. And it, it amazes me because, you know, I, I will tell you today that I think that is the song of 2022 so far, hands down. Like, no, I know sometimes I'm careful to make those kind of superlatives. That's the joint. And we spent a lot of time, you know, talking about J. Cole, but there have been times where J. Cole has absolutely, you know, buried the people that share the track with. And I think Benny really hung in there with Cole. Incredible record. So glad they got a video. And I think it was the right thing because that song unto itself, you know, has, has so much narrative. Yeah, you know, I think that it should have been a second single because I think that um, it sets such huge expectations for the album, not just about the quality, and the quality is obviously there, we're going to talk about that, but also how it sounds sonically. And for me, um, Johnny P's Caddy is a sonic divergence from the rest of the album. So I think that by you know putting out another song first, you start to get people's like heads around where, where it's going sonically. You put this out to diversify it and bring in a different crowd. And then, then boom, you drop the album. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, hands down, J. Cole is the one guest that's not like the others, just in terms of subject matter, background, even his delivery style. I kind of like it. I mean, you know, just, just go with the wild card early and let the growth and range be demonstrated with Benny and then obviously, you know, things like production choices and whatnot. So I think that Johnny Peace Caddy should have been on his Def Jam, Def Jam album, but uh, but we'll get into it. So first of all, Tana Talk 4, you know, one of the things I've been curious about with Benny and other artists is why they decide to categorize an album as part of a series. Like, what is it about this series that, uh, you know, the characteristics that this album captures? So Benny has uh, the Plugs on Met series, Tana Talk series. Any other ones you can think of? No, I mean, those are the two. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's done some collabo stuff. Those, I mean, those are those are the front runners. By yeah. Far. So in his press release, Benny talked about Tana Talk and what that series means. He said, I love Tana Talk 3. It's, it's what got me familiar with the people. It's the real me who I was then. It's my baby, my firstborn. It brought me here and made me. With Tana Talk 4, I have a chip on my shoulder. No one thinks I can recreate that energy. I'm not trying to create the same energy, but T Tana Talk 3 was who I was then, what I was going through. The things you hear me talking about on Tana Talk 4 is me now and who I've become. It's special to me because I get to talk about things that I would never talk about on any other project. Tana Talk is a series where you get me in my, darkest, my deepest, darkest feelings. I'm sure people are going to be surprised at the things I'm saying on Tana Talk 4, but they're also going to be to get an inside look at things. So um, without even getting into song, do you think the album as a whole delivers on that statement? I do. I 100% I do. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's snippets. You know, you got you got some artists who, uh, you know, like with a book of rhyme where Royce poured out his heart on every single song like throughout and, uh, you know, Cole with a lot of his work, Benny sprinkles, you know, he, he, he brings his, his brags and boasts, but he'll also talk about the work he's put in, um, you know, the hustle and the grind that he's achieved, the, the mixed feelings that come with that. And he'll sprinkle that in line by line here and there. It's not often, not like a whole song, although, you know, interestingly plugs I met has done that, you know, the first one, um, I forget the name of the last song, but it's super, super dope where he just um, lays out the entire like autobiography of, I think, uh, say again. Was it five to 50? Yeah. Yeah. He lays out his entire um, autobiography of like, uh, I think what what sent him to prison, right? Was that the, yeah. And um, so there's not a song like that on here, but, but there's plenty of game that Benny drops in it. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting series, too, because on the surface, um, you know, this is volume four. But what's really interesting, and I, I had to do some of this research in, you know, coming up with the materials, no one can find the first ton of talk. Um, you know, it goes back to the era of hand in hand, you know, mix CDs, and there's a Reddit thread about it. And the second one, I don't know what exact year it came out. It predates Benny's affiliation with Griselda. Um, it was back when he still, you know, was rocking with the acronym you know, B-E-N-N-Y, um, the butcher kind of wasn't, you know, his moniker and based on the outfits, I mean, Benny's wearing, you know, an oversized tee and he's kind of got that look. It has that, you know, 2000 late, you know, like 2010s, early teens flavor to it. Um, but really Tana Talk 3 was the game changer for Benny. And I'm so proud, you know, that Ambrosia for Heads, um, a lot of our writers, you know, were big Benny fans that predate even you and I being fans. And back in 2018, we premiered Joe Pesci 38, which is an Alchemist produced joint, you know, had the video. That's what we did. We premiered the video. And while there were other publications out there that were, you know, supporting Benny, a lot of them, you know, I think would fall under the blog category in our space. You know, we were out there and that became a huge inflection point, as you and I know. I mean, you and I have debated over the last, you know, three and a half years over the year end of 20, 2018 We've both agreed that Benny should have been in our best albums list. West Side Gun was with Supreme Blyantel, but Benny deserved to be there too. And to now watch all of his, you know, kind of roosters come to hatch is 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 dope. Yeah, that's right. That's that's the reason why I don't like arbitrary numbers for lists. You know, on the, on the one hand, they keep you honest, and you can't have just like five hundred albums on your year end list. But on the other hand, sometimes you can't neatly fit it into 10 or 12 or 15 or whatever it is. And this is one of those instances. And uh, Supreme Blind Tell, uh, actually, when I look back, you know, um, I don't know. I might put Tanatog 3 in now instead of that. But, you know, it had great guests. Sonically, it was amazing. Incredible production. Let's say again. Incredible production. Incredible production. At the time, it was one of Gunn's best works although i think he surpassed that since then um you know antenna talk three um you know was great but it was just the beginning of of like i think the run that benny has been on for the last three years so we're just starting to get acclimated with them had you heard uh Tana talk two no no and i always yeah. wonder you know i mean in those years i would have either been at all hip-hop or hip-hop dx and there was a lot of things that have come through and over the years you know i've watched 
always laugh, you know, Danger, who was Timberland's like number two producer for a while, used to just pitch me stuff like in the mid 2000s. And then he goes on to have all these hit records with Justin Timberlake and Nelly Furtado and, you know, all the people that Tim works with. So you never know who's reaching out. And every so often, you know, I'll look in my archives to see if somebody was hitting me. And there's a chance, you know, Benny and Gunn, Conway, all of those guys. But I, I really like how they serialize um, rap, you know, and, and, and I think it's a translation of the street, you know, obviously like the purple tape that has to do with, you know, the color of the cassette, but that that's yellow tops, red tops. And if anyone that's watching, you know, the Wu-Tang Clan, um, you know, series on Hulu, which we dedicated a whole episode to, there was a nice distinction of taking that world and making it to music. And I kind of feel like Griselda has done the same thing, which is not new, but, you know, we've seen the Carters, we've seen the Blueprints, we've seen the Illmatic, Stillmatic, um, and they've, it's amazing that here we are talking about Tana Talk, and I would venture to bet that a lot of the people that are listening to this album have never heard Tana Talk too, let alone, you know, the the grail out there of, of the first volume. Word. And it's interesting that even in his quote, Benny refers to Tana Talk 3 as, you know, um, as his as his baby, his firstborn. So even he seems to think like that's the the one that really kind of kicked off the series officially. And for anyone who's new to the party, I mean, I know I say Tana, I have a Pittsburgh accent, but it is Tana and it's it's an abbreviation for Montana, which is the street, you know, where in in Buffalo, um, you know, a lot of the ish went down and Benny was very much part of that, as was his brother. Um, So it is him taking you back to the genesis of who he is. So it aligns so well with that quote you shared. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. The album starts off with Johnny P's Caddy, the song featuring J. Cole. We talked about this. We encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast. We're not going to go too deep into it. But one of the things that I think struck us both was that neither one of us thought that this was going to be the first song. Well, no, why didn't you, why didn't, why were you surprised by that? I don't know. I mean, you just don't always, first of all, I mean, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the Quincy Jones formula of like push the best two songs to the top? Of an album. I don't think so, man. When I think about Thriller, uh, that that formula doesn't fit. You had I'm beat like, it on. You had beat it, and uh, you know on on the the second side, and Thriller was the last song on the first side. Yeah, I mean, that's a heavy on the second side, huh? That's a heavy example, though. Thriller, but obviously you're gonna mention Quincy Jones. You're gonna go there first, so I yeah. feel you. But no, I didn't. I mean, first of all, you. I personally find you never expect. Um, a song unless it's a concept to be that first joint or an introductory album let alone to start a personal album like that with a huge collaboration very very interesting choice yeah you know i think that it should have been either the culminate i think it should have been the culmination of this album or uh on a on a def jam like album and the culmination would have been cool because it would have been a signal for what's to come uh, you know, it would have been, I think, a real strategic move. For me, um, it's such a big record that I think that um, you use the rest of the album to build to it. And then that's the thing that really kind of like makes it pop at the very end. Uh, and it's his coronation because so much of Tana Talk 4, as we'll get into, is about the things that Benny has overcome and, you know, the, the, the scenes that he's faced throughout his life. And uh, and Johnny P's caddy is almost like his victory lap. It's where he really celebrates himself and his crew 
and states to the world that who he is and and that's a gold MC. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Reggie on you though. Like I'm gonna play devil's advocate because here's the thing, and and you're not gonna know this simply from pressing play, but one of the things that we know, especially from that episode and and the press surrounding it, Johnny P's caddy is in its title a reference to riding around with Benny's father in his Cadillac Seville in the 90s. Usually West Side Gun was there and they were listening to, you know, your mob deeps, your biggies, your Jays, your Nazas. So conceptually, it's Benny going back to his love affair with rap and, and hip hop. Um, it just so happens it's not one of those super tangible outside of the title. Like you're not getting that story in the lyrics, but what you are getting is an MC rapping at a top level with a super surprise guest that you expect on a major label album, not an independent one. So yeah, I see you, but I'm just I'm just shooting some some discerning thoughts there. I hear you. Maybe the title says that, but lyrically, everything in that song is about he's arrived. And the reason why Cole is on there is because he's supposed to be rapping with J. Cole. He's supposed to be in that conversation with Cole and Kendrick and and um, and uh, Drake. You know, he is the guy who says he's a goat MC. Griselda has established themselves. And he says, what didn't we? You know, um, he's this is his coronation this is his self-coronation i think but um so that being the case neither one of us thought it was going to be the first song why do you think they made it the first song i don't know it just feels like one of those artistic moves i like the example i just said to you right now i mean do you have any thoughts beyond that i think the streaming era has a lot to do with it i think um you know i think as we know you know, album sales now aren't about complete plays of an entire album. It's about the number of times a song or songs have been played on that album. And if you've got the biggest single up front, people are going to hit play on that a lot. And so you're going to get more. And so, you know, um, I think that that could be part of it. Um, Or maybe Benny just wanted to start off strong. You know, it's interesting, you know, but I do wonder what it would have been if it was released in the CD era, if it would have been mixed in the same way. That's a really good point. Yeah. And and here's what I will say. I mean, you know, dedicated a whole episode primarily to that song. Um, I think what we said then holds up. This really is the best, you know, song of any genre that I've heard in 2022. It's incredible top tier rap collaboration. There's been some really good ones that we talked about, you know, Nas and Lauren, Andre 3000 and Kanye on the deluxe edition, you know, I'll, I'll say Kendrick and, and baby Keem last year. I mean, what Kendrick did, but to watch these two guys rapping in this type of way is huge. And then I honestly believe this is one of Alchemist's best beats in years. And I think Alchemist is at the top of his game. I mean, look at his, you know, just, just how much he's producing right now, how many different people he's working with. This one is like a keep it thorough. Like this one really is one of those benchmark beats in his catalog. I just think it's three great artists, you know, at the top. I I, I stand by the song. Yeah, man, I agree with you. I also think this is one of Al's uh, best beats. And he is absolutely one of my favorite MC, uh, favorite um, producers. And his his style is so diverse. So I made this uh, playlist uh, called Chemistry, um, just about Alan the Chemist. And, 
you know, some of his beats are, you know, the realists, keep it thorough from uh, Mob Deep and Prodigy. We're going to make it Jadakiss, worst come to worst, dilated peoples, red carpet treatment. Um, you know, songs like um, Break the Bank by Schoolboy Q, Terry, Action Bronson, Know mm-hmm. You're Wrong, Schoolboy Q, Fear by Kendrick, Throw It All Away, Evidence. And he's got three joints off. Um, of Tana Talk 3, actually, too, 97 Hole being one of them. Um, you know, his styles are just so varied, but this one is different. This one is, dare I say, a bit more commercial, a bit more polished, a bit more um, easy on the ears, and that's not a, a – there's no shade to that. I love his complex – but he, he typically has complex dissonant sounds, very dark sounds. This is bright. This is like soulful and easy on the ears. So, you know, it's it's a different sound for Alchemist. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, in the We Gonna Make, it has its own, you know, storied history to it. And and you one of the songs, I mean, Al made wet wipes for Cameron. Like, Al has this ability. I feel like if you go to him and you're like, hey, this is the one that I'm going to try to do X, Y, Z with, he's capable of that. I mean, DJ Premier is, has always been that, too, of you know, Christina Aguilera could go, you know, and call them up and be like, hey, I want this and they could do it. Um, but you're right. I feel like this is how like this song has so many legs to it where it was designed to be more than just a, a joint for the heads. Word. All right. So next up, we got Back Two Times. This is a song produced by Derringer and Beat Butcher. You know, the Griselda stable of producers is such a huge advantage and like Derringer has got to be one of the most prolific producers in the game of all time actually you think about people like Manny Fresh and Beats by the Pound and what they did you think about the hitmen but you know in terms of how much output Griselda has and we're talking Conway, Westside Gun, Benny, uh, Boldy James at times, uh, Mahami, Lots and lots of MCs. Derringer is in the mix on all those producing and, you know, Beat Butcher as well. Um, and there's no dip in quality. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, you know, as I understand it, and we ran a documentary when in 2019, when Griselda released the What Would Sheen Gun Do album with Shady, it was around that time from my understanding that Beat Butcher was brought into the fold. And, you know, shout out Derringer, like Alchemist, Beat Butcher has been a supporter of AFH. And, you know, he's he's from the UK. And what I understand that they did is brought him in to help override samples. Beat Butch is able to get these sounds that Derringer or, you know, some of the other people they work with at times don't have to sample. It's sort of like, you know, what Prime did with Adrian Young, where they can create sounds, sample out of it, boom. And the chemistry, because, you know, Derringer was at the helm for all that pre-fame when you didn't need to clear a sample, and or, or might not have to. Um, and that's carried over really well. And the chemistry is great. So, yeah, the fact that you can seamlessly go from an Alchemist joint to a Derringer Beat Butcher joint is is there. And that's true of Tana Talk 3, too. But anyway, continue. That's amazing. You know, so I didn't, I didn't know that. And just just so folks know who, who might not. Adrian Young is a super talented musician, uh, pianist and plays lots of instruments and often is uh, associated with jazz. But Prime, you know, DJ Premier and Royce had him make original music that they then sampled and Premier put his touch on it and made it sound like 
uh, jazz records that he was sampling. And so it sounds like Beat Butcher does something similar because if you listen to Back Two Times, it sounds very much like a dusty jazz loop um, that that is chopped. Uh, but if it's original, that's amazing. It's really, really smart from a business standpoint and sonically amazing too. So this song features Stove God Cooks. Stove God is another guy who um, has grown on me over the last year or so. You know, he had his um, mixtape out last year. What was it? Um, he had uh, a joint out in 2020 um, called Reasonable Drought. And right, a, lot right, of, right. a lot of folks, you know, again, to these lists, when we did our 2020 list, a lot of folks called us out for not including, you know, that joint. But continue. Yeah, I listened to it and I just I, I couldn't catch it. I, I didn't catch it at the time. But since then, I've heard him a ton on Westside Gun Projects, Hermes 8. He was on uh, five songs on part one and uh, two songs on side B. Um, and I've heard him on a lot of Griselda joints over the last year or so. And he's I, I love his voice. I love his approach. You have a comparison to a, a, a prolific MC who's been very seminal over the years. Like, uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, to tell me who I'm referring to. You know something I don't. Uh, you said Rock Marciano. Oh, yeah. Well, so interestingly enough, you know, Rock is, is part of this because Rock produced that Reasonable Drought album. And, you know, a lot of people said that Rock, you know, crawled so Griselda and some other artists could run, you know, could walk. And, and shout out to Elliot Wilson and the Rap Radar podcast. They really made that point home in an interview with Rock where he talked about that. And it's been great that as Griselda's getting to some new rooms, they brought Rock with them. And Rock producing that album, because Rock is a double threat, MC producer, it's great to kind of see that Rock Marcy stamp, you know, forge ahead. And you're absolutely right. You know, in, in 2021, there were two Griselda signings. Um, you know, Stove God and Rome Streets. And both of those artists, you know, sort of like Mock, they might drop a project on Griselda, they might not, but it's it's kind of that stamp of officialness. And to me, um, you know, Stove God was on Two Chains album this year, which people might not realize on the joint called Vlad TV. I mean, what kind of look is that? You talk about a Def Jam album. Here's an artist that has, you know, a very polarizing style, you know, very like distinct it, it kind of reminds me of west side gun that way um but in a lot of ways i think this appearance on back two times is gonna really kick open some new doors for him yeah absolutely and benny is talking his talk on this song this is a theme that happens throughout the album uh you know he says don't compare me to rappers who aren't in the top 10 and then he uh he talks about having dropped uh two number one albums in less than a year you think he's talking about rap charts there? Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of what, what, what the charts are for that. Yeah, I mean, I think he might mean even just lists. Um, you know, I don't think Griselda gets too caught up in charts, but yeah. that is one of the themes of this album because I think TT4 is going to, it's, it's letting you know to one of the cliches of the pandemic, you know, the new price is not the old price. And I think Benny is using this entire album as a theme to let you know I'm not just in the new class. I'm in the class. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Boom, you know, one of the most interesting things to me that he says, though, is my style mixed with Boldy James now and Tupac then. That's a really, really interesting statement. And I'm trying to like figure out what he meant by that. What, what do you think he means? 
That's a tricky one. I mean, you know, Tupac wasn't the only one, but what I like about Pac is, you know, especially, you know, as his career took flight, he rapped about real things in real places. Like you can get an entire think piece on one Tupac song, on the names he mentions, the places he mentions, you know, it's, it's actual factual, or at least there's, there's substantial speculation of things. And I feel like Benny does that. I feel like he's giving you his life. And while rap is always going to be part of it, the streets are parallel. And he points to figures, names, times, places that are real. That's what makes this pulp nonfiction. So that's the correlation I get. The Boldy part, you know, I mean, again, you know, I said it about rock, but Boldy's been doing this for 10 years, you know, plus. And I feel like with this movement, with Griselda stepping ahead, Boldy is another artist that's getting the recognition that I don't think he got in 2008. I don't think he got when Nas first signed him to Mass Appeal. Like Boldy is leveling up and Griselda is bringing their influences with them. Do you see it any differently? Yeah, I, I think that Boldy is super lyrical, but in a subtle way. I think it's very easy to sleep on just how lyrical the dude is. And I think that Makami is similar to that. Uh, so I think that he's he's talking about how deceptively lyrical he is, like a boldy. And then also, to your point, the kind of pain and, and raw realness he can bring like Pac did, too. So that's a pretty dangerous combination. Um, you know, so, yeah, Benny's definitely talking his stuff, though, on this one. So next up, you want to you want to take this one? Yeah, su- super plug. Um, and 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 this to me, you know, when I think of the great MCs, Pac did this. Jay has done it. I think of Nas, you know, um, where he says, you know, I never brag how real I keep it because that's the best secret. Um, Benny begins, you know, I keep it real in everything I do, on everything I say. Like just those moments to let you know that I'm a standalone MC, I think is really. Um, powerful. And again, this is one of those affirmations, you know, one of the things that Benny had told people, like the Breakfast Club, in that limited press run back in January, early February, is that this doesn't deviate from the TT formula. And this type of joint, I mean, absolutely, this is, this is Alchemist treating this album like it's 2018 again. Um, And I really enjoy it. You know, I I think it's one of those just hard nose, um, I'm back in the trap type records. Yeah, this is one of those dark and haunting Alchemist beats. I think that if you were to play this record and Johnny P's Caddy for people, not many people would assume that it was the same producer, which is like the gift of Alchemist. A lot of people, you know, have a very distinct sonic identity. Pharrell, the Neptunes, uh, Puff. But you, you can just kind of hear Dre. You can hear Primo's drums, his scratches. Alchemist is very tough to pin down. Um, you know, he's got lanes that he plays in but they all sound very different and this is one of those like haunting beats you know along the lines very sparse like uh, break the bank for a schoolboy q just dark um and i think benny rides it and uses it in a way that is uh really i think it's really aligned with what the beat is trying to convey you know he goes back to his early days of hustling he talks and this is what i love about like the realest rappers don't just talk about like they don't glorify their past. They, 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 you know, obviously they're making money and doing things to get themselves up a level or two, but they also talk about the pain and the fear and the consequences. And in this one, 
And he says, all this paper on the line got my nerves all jumpy. You know, so he's acknowledging that, yo, like, you know, with this with this money comes like real like uh, potential danger. And then he also talks about having driven six hours uh, to, to make a pickup and his daughter was in the car. And so, like, imagine that, you know, you're riding, riding dirty and you got your daughter in the car. Um, and what happens if you're pulled over or even just the sees you recognize you the whole nine? Yeah. So that was that was ill for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that that's one of the qualities that, you know, Jay um, and Pusha T and a few others can do where they can talk about something that, you know, a lot of people cannot relate to. And you can still find, you know, if you're just looking at stressful situations or moral compromises and you can relate to it. And I love Benny for keeping it that real. So he goes from comparing himself to Boldy on a song to the next song featuring Boldy James. I'll, I'll pass it over to you. We're Weekends in the Perrys. Uh, any idea what that means, by the way? I don't. And, and one thing, though, like I love... Easter egg might be too strong of a word, but Griselda has always said their song titles are deliberate. Like Dr. Birds was a real place. Like the names of their songs are these stark reminders of where they come from. So, you know, if Benny does a press run and I would love as would you to have him back, you know, talking to AFH because we've spoken to him a few times. Um, I would love to find that out. Word. Yeah. You know, actually you can find a couple of interviews we've done. We did one Benny solo for the plugs I met. And then we did another uh, one with uh, Westside Gun, Conway and Benny. Thank you. Uh, would enjoy those, but they're on our channel. But this one, you know, is Alchemist again, another soulful beat. Very, very soulful. It's one of my favorite tracks on the entire album. Uh, it features Boulder James, who, who uh, Benny had just name checked in, in that last song and who has been a, a very close Griselda affiliate over the last couple of years or so. I think some of his best albums have come out with Griselda. And, you know, he says, when you're talking most authentic, then, you know, who going to fit in my shoes? You know, he's, he's, he's making an argument, you know, about why he's leveling up. And one of the most provocative lines that he says is that Wes is, he's West's best investment. So he means Westside Gun's best investment. He says, but that's between me and you, obviously, of course, on a record that's very public. But do you think that he is uh, what's that gun's best investment? He is now. And, and, you know, things I've learned in the last year is, you know, Wes and, and Conway, you know, brothers really kind of started the Griselda movement. And Benny, you know, he mentions on this album at one point that Black Soprano family is like a decade deep. You know, he had his own situation. But at one point, they decided that it was best for Benny and best for Griselda to work together. And I think what Benny's done, I don't know that the movement is as exciting without, you know, kind of a not to use another rap cliche, but it's a three headed monster. And then they've allowed all these other kind of things to happen on the side all day long. I love that lyric. Yo, it's fascinating, man. I, I saw Griselda. And I, I think I'm getting the years right. Um, I believe it was 2017. I saw them at A3C. And it was in a bar. And there was maybe 30 or 40 people in there. They had plenty of room to move around in the bar. A year later, I saw them on the main stage. And it was rainy and during the day. And no one, you know, the headlines are for like, you know, at nighttime, seven plus during the day. And it was packed 
Like it was more <laughs> as packed as it was for Wu-Tang. Um, that's how much their movement built within a year. Now, I think that was post the Shady signing. The Shady signing happened in between that. But uh, still, like just to see their grind build over that time was incredible. So in terms of West's best investment, um, I will say monetarily, absolutely. You know, we've seen what Benny has done, uh, the luster he's brought to the label and to himself, uh, a couple of major label deals. I'm not going to opine, and this is a theme that comes up in a later song that we'll discuss, on who is the better MC between him and Conway or or Makami or Rome Streets or Stove God, because uh, I don't even think it's about that. Yes. I think it's about financial return and return on investment, and Benny's paying dividends. Yeah, and 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 yeah, let's be clear, but I think the advances that Griselda has made are not possible with just one or two artists. To have three bubbling at the same time together and apart, you know, in, in working towards the same thing is, is massive. Right. Um, yeah, and I, I like this song. One thing I will say, um, you know, speaking objectively, this isn't the boldy feature I wanted. I, I think... Stove God uses a lot with his, with what he's got on there. Um, obviously J Cole, you know, continues his streak but, and, and not for nothing. Boldy was on my most listened to song of last year. All of that said by evidence with Boldy, I'm a huge fan. This collaboration was one of the places that I thought didn't excite me in the most way. I got to listen to it more. And, and just so folks know, you know, Jake and I really try not to do hot takes on music. We both believe that you have to listen to music and often over time in order to really process it and catch what the artist is trying to convey. In this instance, we were fortunate enough to have an advanced copy. And so we've been listening to this album for like the last five or six days. So this is not like a 24 hour hot take. But um, I will say that I haven't spent enough time listening to what Boldy is trying to convey lyrically, you know, in terms of his flow. Uh, which I think is impeccable and, you know, just dark and menacing and like very, very distinct. I think his flow is dope. And so to me, it's like a great boldy feature, but I got to hear, I got to listen to what he's talking about to to know whether it transcends other ones. Yeah. And one thing I'll say, you know, I've listened to this album a number of times. I haven't had the chance yet in the car. Um, You asked me at the top about this week. I was in an accident this week. I haven't been driving much. Um, I always, you know, it's the Dr. Dre formula, uh, you know, even though I've usually lived in East coast cities, I always love music in the car, especially when you're alone with it. And this is an album that I'm really eager to ride out alone with. Yeah. It just hits um, different. hits different in the car. So the next one is mad, mad controversial. Um, when I first heard this, I was super excited. I knew it would make for a great story. And, um, you know, I thought it was a great fit for him. But this, the, the, the second one is called 10 More Commandments, and it's a build on, or th- this next one is uh, 10 More Commandments, and it's a build on Biggie's 10 Crack Commandments. Um, so rather than do another one through 10, Benny does 20 to 11. So, you know, uh, Biggie's, you know Biggie does his one through 10, and, and um, Benny builds up to 20. So um, off rip, this is such a bold move to revisit uh, such a revered and classic record like that. So do you think that Benny had the right to do this? 
I do. I think it's, I mean, he makes Biggie very much a part of the song. It's super referential. I know Biggie is one of the goats. And I think that Benny is one of the goats of our time right now. Uh, the rest will be, you know, it's written in the stars. It'll be proven. You know, I mean, he's three or four years into a career, takes this liberty, does so with the blessing of Diddy, who's on the song, Puffy, um, and DJ Premier, who's not part of the song, but produced and was a big part of the original. Um, there's a lot of fuck shit that goes on in hip hop. There's a lot of unauthorized use and people jumping over Jay Dilla beats and really bastardizing legacies. To me, this is not that. And let's not forget that Benny has taken liberties before, um, you know, even down to the, the, the Jay-Z homage on TT3 that you referenced a moment ago. Um, I think it's I think it's fine. Do you feel differently? I'm not a biter. I'm a writer. Uh, I'm big enough, my brother. I'm big enough to do it. Um, yeah, time. man. I think that I think that a lot of times people um, just want to hate. And I'll say that getting the the cosign from Puff was big one. But to your point, he name checks big in almost every single one of these commandments. And so uh, for me, I think about the the original genesis of the song. And it was done by a guy who had been in the streets and actually knew the rules and was like reciting them to other folks. Um, and Benny clearly has that pedigree. You know, he's, you know, he's done his things. He, you know, is very well documented what he's done. Uh, so I think about people like him, maybe Pusha T. Like, I wonder who else could make a song like this. I would say E-40 is one of the people that doesn't get credit in this conversation that absolutely could, but there's, there's a select few. And, you know, I don't specifically seek out quote unquote D-boy rap, but you want to know like where you can get that narrative from. And, you know, I mean, shout out, you know, even the Ice-T just on the hustling tip, you know, back in the day, Benny's definitely in that conversation right now. And you're absolutely right. Pusha T who's still razor sharp, doing it too and I yeah I'm kind of surprised Push didn't do this first but the fact that Benny didn't just ask for forgiveness it seems to me that he asked for permission um because you know Notorious B.I.G. Christopher Wallace is a sacred person within hip-hop a a fallen legend I'm with it man now you want to compare the record side by side that's a whole other story yeah I mean it's no comparison I'm, I'm very glad that he didn't use the same beat because I think that would have, uh, you know, maybe uh, crossed a line. But, and that Primo beat is so, it's one of my favorite Primo beats with the Chuck D sample. And, you know, it was originally a promo for Hot 97 that Primo repurposed and scratched up. Damager, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jerry the Damager and killed it. So, you know, with that in mind, so Benny's Ten Commandments are, you know, number 20, you got to make sure you count all the money, um, you know, before, like, you know, uh, closing the deal. 19 is don't ever burn a plug, self-explanatory. 18 is you better test that word before you buy it. Also, you get that. Um, 17 is take care of the people around you. I thought that was interesting. You know, a lot of people... I uh, think it's about self and want to succeed on their own. But if you don't take care of the people around you, then all of a sudden you got enemies in your circle. Um, 16 is, uh, he says, you got to stack. 
you should spend that money on re-upping and not at sex. So no matter what business you're in, like that's about being frugal and reinvesting in your business. You and I know a lot about that. Um, number 15, he said, F all that spending on clothes, uh, only buy stuff that can be sold. That was heavy to me. What did, what did you think about that one? I like that. I love the fact that it comes after 16 of like, yo, don't, don't be buying, you know, Versace, this or that. But if you buy something, you know, buy it of tangible value. And I, I just think that's game. That, that is a really, like, again, you're going to touch a record like this. You better have some original thought. And that to me, I didn't see that coming. And I really thought it was great juxtaposition after the, the, the commandment before. That is game. And I'll never forget, man. It was, I think my first year in law school talking to one of my classmates, this dude was like meant to be a mogul. He was born to be a mogul. He came to law school to be a billionaire. And he told me, he said, don't buy depreciating goods, only buy appreciating goods. Um, I was like, wow. Okay. And, you know, look that up, but you know, just only buy things that are going to increase in value is, is, is the basic uh, notion. And, you know, so, uh, you know, Benny's not going that far, but he's saying don't buy stuff that you just literally are just going to lose all your money on and clothes are definitely that. So um, 14 is just lead by example, you know, very simple, but straight to the point. Uh, number 13, you want to take that one? Yeah, man, no social media posting. And again, this is one of the places that he even explains leading up to that, that it's something big would not have seen coming. And I dig that because I think we all know anyone listening to this, that one person that lets you know everything they're eating, every purchase they make, they're trying to high post. And yeah, I mean, especially if, if you're swimming in these waters, you can't be doing that. Um, rule number 12, stand for something or fall for anything. Respect is like a shell. And I, I think the word is shell. I want to be sure of that. Is that what you heard too? I'm not sure, but I mean, the, the first part is the most important, which is, you know, stand for something or fall for anything. And, you know, we, we, we've all heard that and it's true. Got to have scruples. And then the last one on the countdown, um, 11 is the most important. The first chance you get, you better get out this ish. And he talks, I mean, leading up to that of every move you make, you're dancing with a sentence. And again, this is coming from Benny. This is coming from somebody you know, who's in his mid to upper thirties, whose career arguably given the talent that he has could have taken flight at an earlier time, but he's lived out the consequences of this very thing that he's talking about. And I think that comes from a super real place. And I feel like if big who would now be, you know, in his fifties, right. Um, if he were to hear a song like 10 crack commandments, you want a wise ending. And Benny gives you just that. And I think that that was, that was very um, poised of him. Yeah, man, I love that. It goes back to exactly what we were talking about earlier about not glorifying it. Benny's one of those guys who talks about the consequences. It's not just money and clothes. It's, you know, you're really risking things that are, are significant. So I love that. Yeah, that's a super important narrative. And again, Diddy's on the song. I don't like calling him Diddy. Uh, Puffy's on the song. Love, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um i honestly didn't think he added a lot to it there's places i mean you know this is the ad-lib king you know and, and for as many records as i feel like puff has taken you know from a nine to a ten simply by you know take that take that take that um i like his outro because it echoes benny's last point puff uses it as a moment to kind of remind you and you and i did an article on afh years ago 
about just where, you know, his head is at right now. Shout out to him. But some of the places where he talks during the record, I really wish they would have let just Benny had the moment. But it, it is a cool reminder. And maybe a record as sacred as Ten Crack Commandments needs that reminder of like, yo, this is endorsed. This is sanctioned. This is authentic. Yeah, this was one of the more uh, disappointing um, outros from Puff that I've heard. You know, you think about what he did on J. Cole's uh, Let Go My Hand and how deep mm-hmm. that was, given the significance of the record. And for me, you talk about taking a record from one number to another. I think he took Rick Ross's Nobody to like a 12 with his ad-libs on that. His, his game is so crazy. I've sent that to you as Song of the Day on a number of occasions just for you to listen to the ad-libs on that is some of the most motivational stuff I've ever heard. So I wonder if that was commentary, you know, if that was, you know, purposeful or just like, you just, you know, it, it just, it was just what it was. Interesting. And I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that Ross record. Cause again, for anyone out there, and, and I don't know that there's people out there that give Ross a pass that you're not going to give Benny, but you know, Biggie records have been, maybe not sequeled in this way, quite literally, but there have been those homages before. And, and yeah, they've been sanctioned. I know Ross has accomplished so, so much, but just on that lyrical, like from a very short transition level, I really like the connection here. Yeah. All right. So next up is Tyson versus Ali. And this features Conway, the machine. This is another one of my favorite records on the album um, produced by Derringer. Very soulful. Um, and you want, you want to break it down? Yeah, I mean, it's in a really incredible concept. And whereas, I mean, even down to something like Crack Commandments, you might see that coming. This one, I didn't see coming. And, and it's interesting because there have been a lot of lyrics, both from Conway and from Benny, about the comparisons. Like, West Side Gun makes no, you know, he, he's not out to convince you that he is a spiritual lyrical miracle. Gun is a vibe. And while he might say profound things, you know, Benny and Conway are the MCs, MCs. And I feel like because they come from the same crew, a lot of people have been saying this or that, like, which one's yours? And this song really um, contextualizes that. And I think it's interesting because I imagine these guys to be a very close age and where, you know, I personally, I'm tell me if you're different. I heard about Conway before I heard about Benny. Was that the same for you? Yeah. For sure. Not in not in a huge, not in a wide window there, but I think it's interesting that they choose Ali versus Tyson. Two fighters, top of their class, top of their era. Um, you know, right as Ali was winding down, boom, you have three or four years and, and, and Mike goes pro, does all that. But, you know, we speculate what would have happened if, and they kind of let you know they're a unified front and they stand that way. And instead... It's very generous on Benny's part because he really distinguishes Conway as kind of his OG. And let's not forget, too, I mean, these are relatives. These are cousins that grew up together, rode around together. And it's just a really, you know, as we talk about concepts, and we're going to be talking a lot about them on the second half of the podcast, um, interesting, interesting song that I really like and want to come back to. Yeah, no, it's interesting because, um, you know, there's a, a YouTube series hosted by BDOT, formerly of Rap Radar, who uh, for Complex called um, Brackets. And it's, you know, a list of, 
you know, 16 of who's the greatest or what's the greatest verse, what's the greatest song, what's the greatest D-boy song, what's, you know, and so there's one, and he has different guests on each time to like kind of do debate these brackets with him. So it's always an MC. There's one where he had Benny on it, and it was, uh, you know, who's the hottest MC, I think it was. Um, uh, and Benny was, uh, he had to exclude himself. And there were a number of, there were 16 names that Benny had to decide upon. And ultimately, he went with the home team and declared Conway the, the hottest MC in the game. So, you know, the message is that this Griselda team is indivisible. You're not going to ever catch one of those dudes naming someone else over their crew. You know, and I think for each one of them, they're the best. But if it's going to be someone else, it's always going to be one of their brothers in the crew. Um, and this song, I think, speaks to that. You know, some of the lines that Benny has are so confusing. Y'all compare two dudes from the same movement only for y'all amusement. It's funny for me. Y'all do it. Truth is, while I'm killing this ish, Conway be somewhere rooting. So, like, you know, listen, yes, I have great success, and I think I'm the nicest, but you know what? My guy is out there, like, being my number one champion. And so, like, you know, all this division y'all trying to sell is just in your heads. It's not It's not uh, part of what we do. And Conway, in his last line, he says, tell dot. I said, F his list, machine. Um, so even though he was named number one, you know, by Benny, He's like, yo, you shouldn't even be be like uh, sowing this dissent, trying to sow this dissension between us anyway. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and the other thing I think is that, you know, the reason why they chose Ali versus Tyson instead of like Tyson versus Holyfield or Ali versus Foreman or Frazier is because um, it's, it's apples and oranges. It's two different fruits, but it's no comparison, right? Like um, they both got their own style. They both got their own lane and it is what it is. And they're both the greatest in, in their own unique lane. And that's, that's what it is. Jordan versus LeBron. Yeah, I like it. And, and honestly, this song made me think of, of other examples in hip hop where people of the same crew are compared and, and, and kind of deciphered this way. And the best example to me is Ray and Ghost. Like to this day, you'll have conversations with hip hop heads and they'll be like, Oh, you like Wu-Tang. Okay. Ray or ghost. Like what's your number one. And I just think, I don't think that Ray and ghost have ever made that type of song. And I think it's a really interesting statement record. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the comparisons in lots of crews like black hippie, obviously with Kendrick and Q and J rock and have soul NWA had it. Um, De La Soul had it with Dave and Poss. Outcast. Yeah. Outcast, definitely Run DMC, um, sure. Jalil and Ecstasy from Houdini, you know, uh, Havoc and Prodigy. Like it, it goes on and on, man. There's there's always going to be that comparison. But reality is, I think that most of those MCs all believe themselves 100% to be the best in the world. And, and that is that's what it is. But if there's going to be anybody who's um, who's going to test them, it's going to be their brother. Yeah, and I mean, Benny has that type of understanding of generosity. You and I really unpacked that with the J. Cole record, given that Jermaine's saying some wild stuff on there, which very well may be true, and you accept it, you know. Um, the next joint is Uncle Bun. This is another one that I was curious about the title. And immediately I thought Bun B, just being, again, one of the hip-hop OGs. Bun B is somebody that very much fits into that, you know, kind of that D-boy to to to... to 
successful b-boy kind of transition we're talking about but this one produced by derringer it features 38 special and you know we talked about the the folks that griselda's tapped and brought in in the fold like boldy and stove god cooks i really enjoy this record you know 2018 was a banner year for benny you know tt3 is a huge part of that earlier in the year he had released stabbed and shot with 38 special and 38 special shout out to him, you know, part of the upstage from Rochester. I actually told you in the Slaughterhouse episode, I think I was telling somebody, um, I believe I sat next to 38 special for a concert back in the day for the Shady Showcase. And, you know, he's doing his own thing on his own terms, but it's a great reminder of like those folks that you grind with in the trenches artistically, give them their moment too. And, you know, Benny's done that before on Plugs I Met with special. I like this. There's just a lot of history there. It's not a conceptual song that needs deep unpacking, but it's just one of those moments that fills out an album that represents the, you know, bags to riches kind of growth that you're getting with Benny. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and it's cool that they shorten their verses. It's not just one 16 and another 16. They each kind of like go back and forth, which is dope. Uh, So yeah, it was a cool track. So next up is Thoey's Revenge, another one, like it gotta be a specific reference there, produced by Alchemist. Um, you know, the thing that was noteworthy to me about this song is this is the fastest I've ever heard Benny rap. Benny's a very methodical, um, slow moving, slow, slower paced rapper. You can hear every word, um, you, get the, you get, you know, the references. Uh, you know, I think Johnny P's caddy, one thing I didn't mention is that I think it was one of the more complex rhyme schemes that he had. Every single rhyme was at least three syllables rhyming with, you know, three more syllables, which was incredible. And he stayed with Cole. And like my opinion, the greatest MCs. Uh, so like a super average MC will rap one syllable, uh, a, a decent MC will rap two great MCs will rap three. I've heard Eminem on Lose Yourself. If you look at the lyrics on Lose Yourself, Eminem, reti- uh, he rhymes entire sentences throughout. Rest in peace, Doom. Yeah, word. Doom, Doom too. Like, they're, they're, I'm not saying he's a soul one, but like, there's a certain class of elite MC who's like four, five, six, seven, eight, ten syllables at a time, which is just mind-blowing. Um but Benny is definitely showcasing his versatility here. And part of that includes his uh, speed. And on this song, he's rapping as fast as I've ever heard and, and that I can recall. And it sounds like it's almost like a triplets flow. But, but what did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that you said. Um, you know, I, I like, you know, we talked about these lyrics that are referential to Griselda. He says that Wes, you know, showed him the formula. And you don't know if that applies to music or otherwise. Um, and then there's this affirmation. Um, and throughout this album, you know, Benny references deals. He references, uh, he references things that he passed on, but he said, I'm going to make myself, my own self a millionaire. And I would venture to bet, you know, Benny's a millionaire right now, but to have that kind of um, self-confidence and wherewithal to will it to fruition, again, it's just that kind of inspirational um, record, aspirational too. Yeah, you know, that line, but I'm going to make myself my own self a millionaire was in direct reference to Wes showing the formula. So I think what he's talking about there is as a businessman, West Side Gun, and you and I have talked about this quite often, 
I think is one of the most brilliant business minds in hip hop. If you look at the rise of Griselda, especially with the type of music that they have and the limitations on airplay and marketability by traditional means and things like that, for them to have achieved the success that they have right now is only the product of a mastermind. And they built out so much, you know, I can see fashion coming and he's associated himself with that. He's, he's seen at high fashion at Paris runway events and things like that. He was with Virgil Abloh in Paris, I believe like a year or so ago, Virgil did his artwork. This guy is putting together the whole package in ways that we've seen like Kanye do and Puff do and Jay. And it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, five, 10 years down the line, this guy is one of those guys who's on that Forbes billionaire list. I think he could be one of the wealthiest. And so I think Benny, what Benny is saying is, listen, he's shown me an entrepreneurship grind and I understand that. And now it's on me to apply it. Yeah. I think that's really, you know, really good point. And also just shout out to Westside Gun. I mean, we talk a lot about Biggie and Heavy D, you know, or Craig Mack, like artists that defied the sex symbol. Griselda has defied the ageism in hip hop. I mean, and there's other examples right now, many names that you and I have both mentioned during this episode, but Griselda came in and has caught all of this buzz, not as 20 year olds or 17 year olds, but as guys in their thirties. And um, I love that, you know, I mean, that, that, that really changes the goal goalposts for what is possible in hip hop. Um, yeah. That was the headline in our Benny interview. Uh, I think Benny was 34 when he really started to take off of rap after he, you know, he came home and he talked about rap being a grown man's game. It's perceived as a kid's game, but it's actually a grown man's game. And he elaborated on that in a really dope way. So again, check that out. Absolutely. And the next join up is, is Billy Joe. You know, as we talk about production to me, this is just me speaking second best beat on the album after Johnny P's Cadillac, another alchemist joint. Um, I love and this record that, you know, Benny makes the connection that, there are killers that, you know, get immunity. He references Sammy the Bull Gravano, but also talks about, you know, folks that are hustling for whatever reasons they are that are given the type of sentences that murderers may deserve. Just an interesting dichotomy. And again, it speaks to the kind of the growth that you're getting. Um, you know, Benny's always been smart, but to make that point right now is kind of a nudge again to get out the game, you know, like really look at the consequences of this stuff. And yeah, the system's effed up. And yeah, you know, institutionally racist classes go on and on, but take this nudge. Don't be doing this stuff forever. I, I think it's a great record. Yeah. I mean, the thing that stood out to me was again, his kind of self-awareness. And so he says, I wasn't really good at it. So selling poison suited me. He understands that what he's doing is really poisoning the people. He gets that. Uh, but he did what he did to, you know, get what he needed to do. But he also also talks about that. You know, there's a lot of braggadocious lyricism on this album about him being a goat and stuff like that. But in this one, he says one classic from being from great. So he acknowledges that he might not have a classic album yet. And that's one of the things that's standing in the way of him being called one of the goats or one of the greats. So I think that's pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I mean, Benny's clearly, you know, kind of reacted to a Grammy snub that you and I both described, you know, at the end of going into this next award season as it pertains to burden of proof. Um, But he's also saying like, yeah, I mean, I I, I should be up there for an award, but classic. 
And I love that. And hip hop heads should love that too, because I think we can all agree that that C word is thrown around way too much. And, you know, we should hold those things sacred. And I love that Benny's clearly motivated to give you that kind of joint. Yeah. So Guerrero, um, you want to take that one? Sure, man. It's the West Side Gun feature, which we knew we were going to get. It's a Derringer and Beat Butcher production. I think this is another exceptional beat. And, you know, we talked about the sequencing in this album, starting with the only pre-album single you get, super high profile. One thing I'll say about TT4, it doesn't lose steam as it winds out. Um, you know, and, and while these songs might not have the grabby feature, I think West Side Gun and Benny's always going to get attention, even though they've got so many songs. It's a really cool joint. In there, you know, Benny compares himself to Harry O, which was one of the, you know, financiers of Death Row Records. Interesting, just kind of footnote. Um, and, you know, West Side Gun is so prolific. I mean, he has dominated since Supreme Blindtel up until the end of 2021, just putting out a number of projects, multiple series, really making his presence felt to usher in some new guys, as well as be, you know, a, a real anchor for Conway and Benny. This is the first time I can remember in, in three or four years that like, I haven't heard Wes in a while. Like I missed him. So the fact that he jumped on this record, he really makes you kind of what's the appetite to hear this collaboration. Yeah. You know, so Harry O is Michael Harry O Harris, I believe. Um, and who's also, um, you know, in, in prison right now. No, no, and- no. Not to correct you. Uh, Trump pardoned him. Oh, so word. Out. He he's Harry Owens out. Yeah, oh, and, wow. and it's a fun fact, and I'm glad, you know, this is obviously a very live conversation. Harry O has given his utmost blessing to Snoop Dogg's ownership of Death Row. And even in the Dog Pound video, we're quick aside, Dog Pound back on Death Row, making a sequel to Dog, Dog Food 2. Read the whole story on AFH. Daz and Corrupt make it a point as they shout out Dre, shout out Suge Knight, they shout out Harry O. So for a guy whose money may have seemed misspent for 30 years, um, you know, he's seeing some recognition for his investment. That's dope. That's dope. I don't know. He was out. You know, he, he was one of the initial investors in death row and actually had fought a lawsuit because he wasn't being paid what he was. He thought he was. His wife, Lydia Harris, was very involved in death row as well. Snoop shouted him out on his song um, with with uh, Nate Dog that we we have on our AFH playlist right now, you know. Okay. So very very instrumental to um, Death Row, and so you know this is again Benny signaling in a real subtle way that he's really trying to do that. You know, he's had the same path as Harry O. Uh, he didn't have to spend as much time as he did, but he's looking to build his empire in the same way and have that much impact in the culture, which I think is dope. So uh, next is Bust a Brick, Nick. You had something else? No, no, I, I love the title too. Anybody I know named Nick, you got a new nickname. Bust a Brick. <laughs> Another Alchemist uh, production. You know, this might be my favorite song on the album. I think the beat is just absolutely incredible. And Benny is just like spitting that real ish. You know, he talks about, and this is something that he just, this is the only um uh, to my recollection, the only reference to what he went through recently, you know, Benny was shot in Houston um, and within the last six months or so. And he said he, he was in a wheelchair. It was hard for him to smile on his 36th birthday. And so 
you know, this guy was actually like endangered, like and injured enough to be in a wheelchair. And so just one line, and that's what, what I'm talking about in terms of how he's not like pouring his, his heart out, like over the course of the entire song, but you get this sprinkled in things that are really, really significant. Um, and then he's, he also talks about the fact that, you know, people are now uh, saying that because he's doing bigger uh, songs with bigger acts, he, he had a song on Burden of Proof with Lil Wayne and Big Sean. And, um, you know, he's got a song with Drake and the Tuck and awesome. I've done J. Cole on this album. So he says, doing songs with bigger acts and they tell me that that's going industry. Um, you know, his, he's like, we talked about this before. He's actually not compromised his sound or his identity in any way. Um, you know, everything he does is true to who he is as an artist. So it's kind of preposterous and also is very limiting. Now, why can an artist not grow and get commercial appeal and still be who they are? It's one of my pet peeves with Kendrick. We have a lot of people who loved Kendrick back when we started for, first supporting him, but now hate Kendrick and see him as a sellout when Kendrick's artistry has never, ever wavered. His lyricism has never changed. I think Benny will always be the same way too. Yeah, you said it. And, and the, the closer on the album is, is Mr. Chow Hall, which I'm going to speculate on this title. I think it's a, a word jam. I think, you know, dining at Mr. Chow's and Chow Hall being like, you know, mess hall, like, like, probably where you might eat in prison you know i think it's a flip and not to correct you but he does reference the houston shooting in this song too mm-hmm. um where he says in lyrics that you know he was asked um brought into the precinct to point out you know who may have done it and he refused and you know everyone might have different opinions on that but as somebody who spent his 36th birthday in a wheelchair i think it's really interesting that benny stayed true to the brand that he represents and again, it's just one of those places um, that, you know, he's he's keeping the G code, even though a lot of this album is about, OK, like if you're out in the out in these streets, move forth, like do something else. But it's also like, don't, you know, like 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 the commandment, you know, you got to you got to stand on what you stand for, stand for something or fall for everything. And I like that. And he also, you know, in this song talks about you know, bringing somebody into the game and making in a week what they make in a year. And I, I kind of racked my brain to think if that was, you know, a direct shot. I don't think the TT4 is about this. It doesn't seem like it's that kind of energy. I think it's just, again, you know, um, Benny just kind of taking a victory lap for where he's at now and, and pushing upward. Was there anything um, about that joint, which is produced by Alchemist that, you know, sticks with you? No, I think you hit it, man. I think you hit all the points that I would cover. Um, I think it was a cool way to close. I still think that if you had followed it up with Johnny P's caddy, it would have been, uh, you know, kind of the the ultimate coda. Uh, you know, um, maybe like Kendrick's uh, Compton with Dre, you know, um, for a good kid, Mad City. I think, but with uh, the energy taken down a little bit, just a side note too, by the way, uh, did you realize that um, Cartoons and Serial was supposed to be the, the, the ending to Good Kid, Mad City? I had read that long after the fact. I had heard that somewhere, and I think that's one of Kendrick's best songs. I'm a huge Gunplay fan. I was, told that, I was yeah. told that by someone very, very close to Kendrick, um, you know, who would absolutely know. Uh, and it's interesting. It's almost like, 
how Hollywood sometimes makes you do a Hollywood ending that's like happy and everything. Because if you put cartoons in serial, which is dark and uh, fatalistic, um, at the end, it completely changes the trajectory of Good Cap, Good Mad City. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, instead of being like a victory lap and like, you know, coronation of King Kendrick, it's like, yo, this is where my destiny is. And it's like, it's, it's almost like, damn, playing it forward and backwards, right? So Kendrick has played with that thing for a while now. I like it. The reason why, you know, Johnny P's Cadillac, I, Cole has the final say. And in this album, we both can agree it has to end with Benny's voice, right? That's true. But, you know, that could be fixed with an outro. But yeah, I get it. I get it. Extra verse. Yeah, but I yeah. feel you. I mean, overall, I mean, just any takeaways from TT4? You started the podcast. I mean, it's been the most anticipated album for you in some time. Just reflections. Yeah, so it's the kind of album I want to take in for a while because I had certain expectations uh, that were created by Johnny P's Caddy, and I want to listen for, to the body of work for what it is. I think it is a fantastic body of work. I don't think Benny has missed since Tana Talk 3, um, you know, and, and that is, what, seven, eight projects, something like that. Yeah. Uh, he's on a tear unlike any MC we've seen in a long time. We've both, you and I have both said on a number of occasions, he's probably the hottest MC of the last two years. And I don't think this does anything to slow that down. Um, so I enjoy it, man. I think it's great. There's like three or four apps to the playlist, which is always my ultimate thumbs up. How about you? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. We had that conversation about the last two years. One month ago, I was living on a mountain in California. Life was, life was quite different. Um, and I stood by that then. I stand by that now. I think Benny's been the last MC, the best MC of the last three years. I don't know, and, and you didn't ask, but I don't know that I'm ready to say that this is Benny's best album. I think he's put out a tremendous body of work. Here's what I decided after close to 10 listens. I prefer the TT series, having only heard, you know, two of the albums really well and, and one you know, streaming it a couple times. I prefer that to the plugs I talk, but that is no knock whatsoever on plugs. I think that's been an amazing series, but this is the brand that I like most with Benny. Plugs I met. Interesting. So we're on opposite sides of the coins, which does not surprise me. Uh, the plugs I met for me uh, is my preferred series. Plugs I met, the first one might be my favorite Benny project ever. I think it's just mm -hmm. absolutely incredible. Uh, 18 Wheeler was just may have been one of my songs of the year that year. I think he had a joint with Royce on that. Like he just that that album and and the the five was it five to uh, fifty. Um, yeah, Royce joint I think was on TG three. Okay, um, the five to fifty was uh, was the last song. That's on plugs. That song, that song was incredible. And then plugs on Met too. I really liked too last year with Harry Fraud. I thought that was incredible as well. So. Um, I think of the series, I prefer the plugs I met. But again, the fact that we disagree just speaks to, you know, how great uh, Benny has been. Yeah, and how much of a nonconformist you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, so best album of 2022 so far? You know, it's, it's definitely in that conversation. I, I think the year has been off to an interesting start. There's a lot of albums that I keep coming Wait, and is this rap music or or uh, or any genre? You know, I, I like the weekend joint a lot. I know that a lot of people seem like they chase them away. 
for me, I, I would say that my best music this year has been hip hop. The two albums that I'm really kind of hanging with right now are, are this and Earth Gang. Um, you know, but I'm not ready to make proclamations quite yet. It, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Earth Gang is absolutely amazing. Ghetto Gods, love that album. I've listened to it quite a few times now. Um, I think my favorite album of the year so far is Black Radio 3 by Robert Glasper. Oh, wow. That is an incredible album. It's got uh, Pasanus on it. I think Common, um, Killer Mike, Big Crit, D Smoke. Uh, It's a really, really, really dope album. I wouldn't say it's necessarily hip-hop, but it's got a lot of hip-hop influence to it. Uh, So, yeah. But this 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 is a great album. We're going to talk about a couple more real quick, too. So next up, you know, we did an entire podcast last week devoted to Slaughterhouse and the drama that has brought down the house over the last several weeks or so. And in fact, it's been several years in the making. We've just now gotten a glimpse into what's been happening inside the Slaughterhouse over the last like five, six years or so. Uh, but we encourage you to go back to listen to that on the backstory. It's the, the last podcast we did. But Joel Ortiz and King Crooked, one half of Slaughterhouse, have um, released a project called The Rise and Fall of Slaughterhouse. Now, they had released two singles prior to this. Um, one was Vacancy, and the other one was, um, do you remember? The, you remember um, yeah, it was called Backstage. Yeah, Backstage. And... Um, you know, it led to some reactions from Royce59 and Joe Budden. Initially on social media, they just posted some of their thoughts. But then they had an IG Live where they spoke for an hour. And after that, Joel joined them for another half an hour, and it became incredibly heated. And they aired out a lot of their business publicly. We break that all down. But, you know, uh, six days later, they released their album, and um, you know, listen to the whole thing. So, what what are your top level thoughts on the album? You know, I think it offers closure to Slaughterhouse stands. Um, and for anyone curious, you know, I, I think that the music quality is strong. I mean, Joel and and Crooked, you know, are are top tier MTs, no question. Um, yeah, I I was curious to listen. It's a different kind of listen. Like you're looking for it's almost like a news story in verse, like you're trying, and maybe that's me working in the media and and knowing a lot of these guys, like I'm looking for what I didn't know, what I didn't get in the headlines, but I thought it plays really well. There's a couple of songs on there that I do believe, you know, of recent years are, are, are some of the best just standalone songs, certainly from Crooked, you know, who hasn't put out a, a formal album, but up there with, with some of Joel's best work too. That's, that's me though. What about you? Yeah, you know, I think it's a really interesting album because I believe that, uh, especially based on what we have seen and the incredible timeline you put together and the conversation that happened last week, I believe that each one of them, Joel and Crook, uh, believes everything they say on this to be true. You know, Joe and Royce had accused them of purposefully lying about some things. I don't, I don't believe that to be the case based on the lyrics and, you know, what that conversation had. I think that they are speaking from their perspective and everything they say they believe is true. And I think it is in part 
kind of like uh, airing out session of everything that's gone on to, in a way that's cathartic for them. I think it's in part, you know, um, a victory lap and celebrating the things that Slaughterhouse accomplished. It's not all bad. You know, they're really, you know, talking about how good Slaughterhouse was and what they did and what they meant to the culture. I think it's ultimately, though, about sadness, about uh, a dream unfulfilled and what they could have been had they been able to align and come together from a business standpoint to get what they needed to get done. And part of that relates to Glasshouse, the album that is supposedly on the shelf. And they detailed that um, on a song called F Glasshouse. Um, they talk about, actually, uh, it's another song. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's called, uh, there's another song where they talk about all the producers that were on Glasshouse. Yeah. Towards the end of the album. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's really, really interesting. You know, they had Just Blaze. They had Cardiac. They had um, Ill Minds and a couple of others. But, like, they go into it. So it's really tangible. Justice there's League, a, I think. Yeah. Justice League, yeah. There's another song where it's called Floodwaters, where um, Crooked likens this album to Marvin Gaye's Hear My Dear. And for those who don't know, Marvin Gaye had a really bitter divorce I think from his, um, I can't remember which wife it was, but. Anna Gordy, I think. Yeah, right, right. Anna Gordy. And as part of the settlement, he had to record an album and give, and, and, and you know, give the, the album and proceeds to her. So I think she owned it too. And so he recorded this album called Here, My Dear where he basically just ran down all his complaints about the marriage and divorce and stuff like that. Just love publicly, that like put it out. And at the time it was super controversial, but now I think it is one of the more acclaimed and appreciated albums of his because it was so raw. And uh, maybe that's going to be the case for this too. But yeah, man, I think, I think that ultimately, you know, I, and I also think that it's hopeful. Like, you know, there are times where they talk about, where, you know, maybe, you know, this will spark them and get them to like, actually, you know, come back together. But there's also declarations of them being dead. It's, it's all over the place emotionally, but I also think it's realistic to how a person would feel in this, this kind of situation. I agree. I, I had three takeaways from the album. I mean, the first single, as you mentioned, was vacancy, and we covered that on our site. But one of the things that I don't think you and I realized at the time when we first heard it is it's making an appeal. You know, there's a lyric, um, I believe it's Crook that says it, where he says, hope the other half will listen, put the business in back and get back to business. And I'm very curious because that song came out a week before the Instagram live of, you know, Royce and Joe and Joel talking on video and then Crook in the chat. And then he moved his joint to clubhouse um, but I'm curious, you know, I mean, we're living in a time where albums are living, breathing things. I mean, we see that with Kanye since Pablo, like I'm going to make adjustments even after it's out. And I'm really curious if that single, as we talk about first singles, if Royce and Joe would have said like, yo, okay, I hear this. All right, let's do it. I'll sign the paperwork or maybe we don't want to release it over here. We'll release it over here. I'm really curious if this album would have never come out. 
Um, and that's one of the questions, you know, I'm sure Crook or Joel will get, um, or maybe not, maybe we'll ask them, but, you know, I'd love to know if they were prepared to hold this back if they saw the outcome that they wanted. Um, and during that IG Live, and we spent a whole whole podcast talking about it this month, um, you know, the, the most cringe thing for me, just as a grown-ass man, was watching Joe, who, you know, over the years I've been a fan of musically, I've been a fan of personally, um, but telling Joel that he wasn't good. I hate when I watch grown people tell one another because I took that to mean financially. Um, and oddly enough, you know, the second full song on the album is called Ain't Nobody Mad. And I really like that, um, you know, Joel gets the opportunity to say, hey, I own real estate. I own restaurants. Like, I'm good. Because to me, in a lot of ways, Joel Ortiz is the MC Ren of this group. And, and if you listen to NWA's second album, you know, Cubit left. Ren carries the group lyrically. And, you know, Joe and Royce and Crooked are big personalities. Every one of them uses social media to their advantage. Joel, he said it last week, he's not the social media guy. So I like the fact that he used this album to get the last word. And it's not about money. But if somebody else with a platform is going to tell you what you are, you should at least have the opportunity to just to correct them. And I thought that was really cool. And then the third point is, um, you know, Joel made a great album with Apollo Brown with Mona Lisa, but I would say both of these MCs at times haven't had my favorite production, especially Crook. Crook and I, you know, I mean, I rooted for him so hard when he was the flagship artist of Death Row, but Death Row is about production. And if you don't have Dre and you don't have Daz and you don't have Quick, um, what do you have? And you never, I've never heard Crooked Eye over the type of production on an album length that I've wanted him to. Some of the production on the Rise and Fall of Slaughterhouse is really, really good. You know, you brought up the joint um, Smoke, which, you know, incredible, produced by DJ Silk. And while that's not a household name, you know, that's one of the guys that's on Dre's team, which I thought was really interesting. He produced a joint on Compton. He produced What You Gonna Do for J.O. Felony and Method Man back in the day with DMX. Incredible song. Shout out to Joel and Crook because they really went and made this musical. And there's so many times where we care what people have to say to each other. I, I, I said it in the last episode, Kanye and Jay speaking on the fall of, of Rockefeller on Diamonds Are Forever. I'm tuned in. I want to know. And for anybody that held Slaughterhouse on the highest level, this project has to be rewarding that way. Yeah, man, in terms of smoke, um, I personally believe that if Crooked is on the right beat, there is nobody that can see him. That dude is one of the best rappers in the game. He is so lyrical and his flow is so impeccable. You heard that on Paige Kennedy's uh, remake of the grand finale where Crook just like went berserk for two straight minutes and he absolutely destroys that beat. Like literally he had me on my Rick Fair, like, woo! I was <laughs> just like going crazy, man. Um, and I agree with you on just generally the beats are, are, are good on this. And there's some that are fantastic. I will say this, you know, just to close that there is nothing that I heard on this that was, in contradiction to anything that we said last week in terms of like laying out where their differences were. Most of them you know, stem around business. Uh, a lot of it tied to being signed to shady records. One of the interesting things is that there's a bit more detail about the deal that 
Crook and Joel had on the table for Royce and Joe that apparently they they believe that they've turned down, though Royce and Joe deny that. But supposedly it was a seven-figure deal. Um, so it was at least a million dollars, uh, you know, divided by four. Who knows if that's meaningful to all of them, but it's not insignificant, you know. Um, so I think that as we concluded last week, uh, I don't think this is the final chapter of Slaughterhouse. I think it is a to-be-continued. I do think that this will make it a bit more difficult for them to come together as a foursome. And Roy said that in the IG Live last week, too. But I think that all the stuff we laid down in our timeline, all the stuff that they discussed in the IG comes out in this album. We hear bits and pieces of it sprinkled out throughout the entire uh, album. And uh, it's from their perspective. And they've stayed true to this. And I can see a place where both sides can be true. I'll be curious to see this album's playability, you know, three years, five years from now. I'm not saying that as a leading point. I'm just curious what Slaughterhouse Superfans think. I think it's interesting that we go from talking about TT4 to Slaughterhouse. Royce made the point years ago. He actually called in or Joe called him on the podcast. There's a story on AFH of Joe and Royce wishing that Griselda doesn't make the mistakes that Slaughterhouse did. And when you talk about the way that Benny and Conway are handling the competition, I mean, competition isn't at the crux of Slaughterhouse's falling out. I think just differing passions and solo interests are. But, you know, the two guys that, you know, seem like they are meat and potatoes rap, Joel and Crook, it's, it's, it's really cool to see. And like you said, I hope this isn't the last thing, but there's one other album that, well, that dropped. One, one, of the, one other thing on that. So competition might not be part of it, but I definitely believe that career choice is part of it. Uh, or communication choice to be more specific you know and there's a song on here and i can't remember which one it was which one it is but oh um where it's on coasting where um you know crooked talks about having royce's back in the lupe situation and this is also the one where he mentions the seven-figure deal i think the fact that joe became a a podcaster you know uh an on-air host is a real point of contention for a lot of people. It caused problems with Royce and M. It's caused problems with Joel because he didn't feel like he's being supported. It's caused problems with Crook. Like I think that's a really big one. And there's also one where someone talks about social media too, which you know I think relates in part to Royce as well. So given the social media part, you and I talked last week about how whether or not we thought this was real, and um, I think we can both concluded that it was real but that this IG, the IG live that they had last week also might still be something that was done intentionally to support them. Um, looking at it now, I'm wondering, do you think that it helped or hurt? Because on some ways I can see it as being a spoiler because everything they discussed in the IG live ultimately came out on the album. Yeah. And it's like, now it's like, a, okay, we already know that type thing. But what do you think? Yeah, but I also think this is super niche. I think this is for a very specific set of hardcore fans. But I agree. For you and me that, that you know, know these guys are fans of the group, but neither one of us have Slaughterhouse tattoos. Um, yeah, I mean, that let a lot of the cat out of the bag. I think that's a really good point. The other curious thing, just, just as an outro on this album, they included Still In My Feelings, which is a joint um, that was on Joel's album last year. We talked to Joel about Autograph. 
And it's very interesting. I mean, there have been times where, you know, in hip hop, I think of money ain't a thing, you know, the Jermaine Dupri and Jay-Z record appeared on volume two. It appears on JD's album. There's places where you see that. I'm really interested to know why that song from 2021 reappears here, but conversation for another day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I, um, I started and, and I really want to kind of turn it to you because there's an album that you've texted me twice, maybe three times about um, this year. And it's not one of the traditional talking points of this weekend. And you're really excited about it. Um, talk to me about Fly Anakin. Yeah, Fly Anakin has a song, uh, an album called Frank. And, you know, I've known of Fly Anakin for some time. But I will say that he really stuck out to me for the first time uh, on the latest Evidence album. There's a song on Evidence's album. And I thought Fly Anakin just killed it. And maybe it's the beat or whatever it is. But his style, and I think he's another disciple of Rock Marcy, you know, to your point earlier. Um, His style is so, and his voice is so unique. But his album, Frank, I've I've been living with for now like six weeks or so. And um, for me, it's my album of the year so far in 2022. I think it is incredibly soulful. I think that his flow is impeccable. I think the stuff that he's talking about is incredible. Um, I really think that people who are followers of AFH will dig this album. I put three or so, maybe four songs on the playlist. I could literally put six or seven. To me, it's an album. It's a rare album where I can listen to it front to back and literally not have any impulse to skip a single song. That's super rare in this day and age. And it's a... I think a 15 song album, something like that. It's, um, it's, uh, let's see, it's um, even longer, 17 songs. It's a 17 song album, but it's just absolutely incredible. And, you know, I think it came, he's obviously been grinding. There's no one who releases an album, especially of this quality, who does it like just off the rip. He's been grinding. But for me, it, it, it was surprising and, and like how quick and how high the quality was. And I just think he's dope. very passionate about this one. Yeah, I mean, Ev, and, and we had a great conversation with Ev last year. Ev is one of those people that I trust. Um, you know, when he shouts out an artist on the rise or that you should know, it, it sticks to me differently than the usual. And again, sort of like Benny, you know, AFH had supported Fly Anakin either 2018 or 2019. Shout out to Jordan Commodare. We, we had a Michael Millions and Fly Anakin joint, um, you know, on our site that we that we supported. And, and, and I love what's happening in Richmond, Virginia right now. Even Nicholas F., who a lot of people just thought was like, oh, one of those guys that Drake worked with. They're getting their moment. And Fly Anakin's that. And it's, this album's on Lex Records, which is a label that worked with Doom and Bad, Bad, Not Good. And, you know, is a, is a trusted source of great, um, you know, hip hop. Uh, Prince Poetry, other people. So I'm going to sit with that one because I, I played it, but I want to hear it the way that you're hearing it. And and shout out, I mean, the production on it's nuts. Mad Lib work on, worked on it, excuse me, and, and a host of other people. So I'm glad to hear you give that some shine. Yeah, production's incredible, man. Super soulful. Definitely take a listen to that one in the headphones, on the car. But this whole vibe, man, his image is great. Uh, his fashion, 
uh, I, I just think it's an amazing, amazing project. I love watching veterans and, and, and fly Anakin fits that push through. I mean, last year, you know, one of our albums of the year, um, Alchemist and Arm and Hammer, you know, with their Haram album and, you know, shout out to, to Billy Woods and the whole backwoods movement. Like these are guys that have been doing it and to watch hip hop veterans get their moment and do something with it. There's, there's a hope story to that. That's, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why this culture exists is, we always believe that it's possible. So, hey, man, three great albums on one Friday. That was worthy of a happy hour. You know? Work, for sure, man. Yeah, so cheer. What's, your, uh, what's your song of the week, man? You know what? I'm going to go with um, Underdog Theme from Fly Anakin. That, mm. that is my joint. That's been a regular heavy rotation for me. Um, how about you? I'm going to go with a joint that's, that's on the playlist. We didn't talk about it today, but Brother Ali, you know, I've been a fan of Ali for almost 20 years, um, you know, Rites of Passage, Shadows on the Sun era. And Ali, I didn't realize, I mean, Ali is no longer working with Rhyme Sayers or, you know, sort of like maybe what Benny's done with uh, Black Soprano family, like he stepped to Jason. But there's a song I texted it to you recently. You added it to the playlist. It's called Going Through It. And oddly enough, it's it's produced by Ant of Atmosphere, one of the one of the founders of Rhyme Sayers. And there's three stories in the record. It's a storytelling joint. It's about people going through it in these days and times. And they're all true. Ali has his own podcast. I've been tuning into it. Um, but that song, I love the beat. I love Ali's frame of mind. I just keep coming back to it. And it, it kind of speaks a little bit to the week that I had. Word. I hear you. That's dope, man. Well, here's to a great end to the week. And here's the better weeks to come. And cheers. Salute until we do it again. All right, man. Peace. Peace.